Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports, and this will be the final episode of the fall 2022 semester. I'm your host and news editor, Richard Pereira. Joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, um, how's it been going? And especially since this is our last episode for the semester. Feels like time slide. Um, you know, we've covered a lot of ground this year, especially with it being our like first time really doing this all together. Um, you know, I think overall everything went well. Still have more sports to dive into. Um, as we all know, um, sports never stop nationally. FAU, it's year round, so we'll try to keep the fans up to date as much as we do. Um, but hopefully, we're all back again this time around next year or next semester, I should say. And yeah, let's just keep building off what we've already had. We've had a great time thus far. Hopefully, y'all feel the same. Yes, um, same thought here. It's been a great semester. Um, it's been great doing this every week with you guys. Um, and we got a lot of good stuff to talk about for the last one of the semester. So um, I'm excited for the last one of the semester. Yeah, definitely, Cameron. It's definitely been a lot of fun doing the sports podcast this semester. And we definitely do have some pretty good topics to talk about. And we're going to first talk about FU football. After letting go of Willie Taggart after the season-ending defeat to Western Kentucky, uh, FU did a national search and a few days later ended up with one candidate, and that candidate is Tom Herman. He was a coach for the University of Houston and the University of Texas, and he had a very good record. He has a very solid record. Uh, I don't have the specific record in front of me, but I know in for one of his specific stats, he's 5-0 and in bowl games, in bowl game appearances. He's, he has five wins, five bowl game wins, so... He definitely has a very good resume with Houston and Texas with his overall record. So I want to know your guys' takes on FU taking on Tom Herman as the next football coach. Uh, I definitely think this is a huge step in the right direction, um, you know, especially with our up and downs going from Kiffin to Tagger and now back to Herman. Um, a lot of people, uh, initial reactions were kind of taken back. They weren't too um, happy with the hire and I was kind of confused by that because the way I look at it is you know if you look at his um, power five record which is at his time at Texas not even mentioning the fact that he was an offensive coordinator for the national championship uh, 2014 Ohio State team where he was the OC there but just looking at Texas where he was the head coach he went 32 and 18 he had four bowl wins there um, but their expectations for him were national championships so that's why he ended up leaving Texas but if you want to bring it down to FAU's level of football, which was the American Athletic Conference, um, where he was at the Houston Cougars, he had a perfect record at home, 14-0. He went 22-4 overall, including a 9-3 season and a 13-1 season. So he's a phenomenal coach um, for that group of five, which now is kind of turning into that group of six, or uh, excuse me, power six, because we're moving away from the power five. I think that the 12 playoff format, you're going to need a representative from the AAC to represent you in the playoff. So now that we're going to be competing with UC, or, um, USF and those guys in that conference, we're going to need to be able to um, need a coach to lead us, essentially. And I think Tom Herman is exactly the guy we need. Another concern I saw people say, and this is what I'll end on because I don't want to rant too much, is that they're saying, well, oh, he's just using us as a stepping stone uh, to go to a next program. That, <laughs> why would you even, why would you even like put that out there? Like, you got to look at where we are as a school. Like, you don't, as of now, you wouldn't view FAU as a final destination job. Like usually an SEC school, an ACC school, that would be a final destination. 
But what Herman can do is he can lead us to be one of those schools one day. He can put us in a position where coaches say, hey, I want to go to FAU and solidify a longstanding career there. That's where the end goal should be. We're just not there yet. We're counting on Herman to light the torch, and then someone will carry it out to him. That's kind of how I see the outlook now. Yeah, I think this is as good as a, of a hire FAU is going to get this cycle. It wasn't a name that I saw like thrown around too much, but I think this is this is like you said, um, a step in the right direction. Um, his record and what he did at Houston speaks for itself. He's definitely probably one of the larger reasons that Houston is one of the most competitive group of five schools right now. Um, and at Texas, like you said, he's under he's such under such a huge microscope there, and the expectations are so huge there and if you look at his record it wasn't bad and didn't lose a bowl game while he was there and he was a great great recruiter while he ever or whenever he was at Texas two um number three ranked uh recruiting classes in the nation one was number nine so it's safe to assume that he's going to be able to recruit at a very high level at FAU when you're right in the biggest recruiting talent pool in the country great facilities it's not hard to sell coming to play in Boca Raton's. So I think this was a great hire for FAU. And um, in the few days that I've been able to like observe him since he's been on canvas, he looks like someone who really wants to be here. Yesterday at the basketball game, he spent probably like 15, 20 minutes in the student section, like taking pictures, like meeting students, getting them hyped up. It's He seems like he really wants to be here. So like, to what you said, Zach, like the worries that he's just using this as a stepping stone, I don't, I don't see that. I think he, this is like he really wants to be here, and he's really like taking advantage of the opportunity um, that's at hand. So I, I really think this is a great hire for FAU. Yeah, and I would definitely agree for the most part. I, I don't see him as a coach who would take this as a stepping stone. Like I don't see him as a Lane Kiffin two point I think he's a coach who he's been out of the the college coaching game for a while he hasn't been a coach since 2020 after he left texas he instead went to the nfl to be an analyst for chicago Bears. so that experience in the nfl is definitely going to help him a lot as he returns to the college coaching scene at fau and i def and i think we all definitely want to see him succeed in his return to coaching and we wish him the best of luck and moving on from fu football we have fu men's basketball they, three, they played three games over the pet throughout the past week. On Wednesday, November 30, they blew out South Alabama 84-59. They went on the road to take on Eastern Michigan on Sunday, December 4, and took them out 101-73. to And most recently, took out their in-state and in-state opponent against Florida Gulf Coast 85-53. to Three consecutive blowout victories for FEU as they are sitting very pretty with an eight and one record on a seven game winning streak. So guys, uh, what are your thoughts on FU's hot ride? That, you know, we have a lot of talk about um, best start in program history and possibly one of the best teams in FAU history. Um, and it's certainly showing, um, especially for how hot we've come out of the gate. Uh, and it's not just against um, more quality opponents that like we've seen the wins over Florida, um, even now against FGCU, we're coming out incredible. I, I honestly didn't expect this much. You know, you would think at some point uh, you would see a mellow out, but it seems like this is the caliber of basketball that we're able to play night in and night out. You know, um, the three ball is working exceptionally well for us. We're winning 
dominating on the boards thanks to Vlad. Um, we're just playing really um, complimentary basketball all around, and I really like to see it, uh, especially from all the guys. You know, we say there's a lot of common names that we keep throwing out there, like Michael Forrest, um, especially. I don't know if he's moved in the starting role or not. I would like to see him, honestly, with how much points he's putting up per night. He's playing exceptionally well. Um, I think in the other game against FGCU, you know, Nick Boyd and uh, Brian Greenlee played exceptionally well. Um, those are names that you're probably going to hear very often throughout the season. You know, everyone, everyone's stepping up when they need to. You know, any given night, someone can step up. And I think overall, that's, um, that's just very, as I said, complimentary basketball. And that's in part due to our great head coach, uh, Coach May. So hopefully he can keep building on this. Keep the hot start going. I know we just got ranked, I believe, uh, in the top 25. Uh, so hopefully we can build on that, keep climbing the ranks. And getting FLU, it's well-deserved recognition. Not in the national rankings, but I think it was another algorithm that has FU in that type of ranking. Yeah, oh. they originally started off as 23. It's a net ranking, I think it was called. They started yeah, off as 23, yeah. but yeah, I think they moved up higher even to 11 after last night. But um, – just, I just want to repeat what Zachary said. It's um, just a great start to the season. It's because they're playing uh, good, well-rounded basketball. They're depending on multiple guys every night and just great coaching. Um, as far as last night, it, it played spectacular. First of all, I want to say shout out to FAU students. The borough was packed last night and it was deafening in there. It was so loud. It was awesome. And um, they played great. Uh, FGCU is a good team. And FAU just dominated. They were shooting the lights out from the tip off. And they were just, once again, a bunch of guys getting the ball around. It was, um, it was great to see. Um, so, yeah, they they look great. And we sound, we sound like broken records because every week we just talk about how good they are. But they just continue to, like, get wins against quality opponents. Like, Florida is a good team. They've really turned it around since they had a – bad start to the season Bryant was a good team and they handled them really well and FGCU was a great team too they came in I think seven and two coming yeah. into last night and it was a, just a dominant performance FAU had control the entire game um it's just great to see them like getting not only wins but win quality wins against very good opponents so it's great to see yeah um as I keep looking at the stack at the stat sheets from each of the three games, like you have multiple players scoring in double figures. Even if nobody scored a 20, a 20 point game, scored in a 20 point game, with the exception being Elijah Martin against Florida Gulf Coast, you have a lot of players scoring 10 points or more. And even if you don't have uh, like a lot of guys going over 10 points or more, you have a lot of guys going at least six points or more. Like that shows and, and how balanced this offense is. And it's very, and it's very, it's very, it's very, it's pretty much a firepower offense from the outside. Michael Forrest should get his credit for how balanced that is. Cause Zach, you mentioned before he, him coming off the bench, he's consistently the leading scorer or right behind the leading scorer coming off the bench. So having that is, is such an asset to have being able one of your best scorers coming off the bench. And Elijah Martin, uh, looked spectacular in his return. I think he had 22, if I'm not mistaken, last 21. night. 21. Um, Say it again. 21. 21, sorry. Yeah, 21 in his first game, I think, after sitting three out. So um, they were just firing also on all cylinders last night. They looked great. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, Brian Grilly, he also dropped 23. My bad. I thought Elijah Martin was the only one, but 
yeah, you you don't. It's pretty it's pretty clear that FAU doesn't need a twenty point scorer. Like they have a very balanced offense that doesn't even require that because they're blowing out opponents back to back to back. And as we look at the remainder of FAU's schedule for the remainder of twenty twenty two, they have four more games in December. Uh, three of them. Uh, their next three games will, will be at home against St. Thomas on Wednesday, December 14. FIU, their first game in conference play on Saturday, December 17. And Northern Kentucky on Wednesday, December 21st, which will be their last game against a non-conference opponent. And their last game of the year will be against North Texas, Thursday, December 29th. So definitely wish the Owls the best of luck to continue the winning streak and to start conference play on a very good note as they head into the new year. And moving on from men's basketball, we have women's basketball. And safe to say that they are also riding a very good winning streak. Um, they took out Kennesaw State 67-59 to 59, uh, last Friday on December 2nd. And uh, this past Tuesday, blew out Florida National 94-33, to 33, a 61-point victory as they are currently riding a five-game winning streak with a 6-1 and one overall record. So the Florida National game, uh, to me, it was a very pretty much a freebie game because Florida National, we always tend to blow them out very convincingly. But this game, a 61-point blowout, that's pretty crazy. So I want to know your guys' takes on how women's basketball has been playing throughout the past week. Yeah, um, similar, similarly to the men's team, you know, one of the best starts in program history, if not the best start in program history. Um, they're playing extremely solid as well. One of the things we talked about um, in games prior to open up the season is even though we were pulling out wins, we still had a bit of an issue with the turnover margin. You know, we tend to have lost the turnover battle. Um, that was not the case in the Florida national game. I'm pretty sure, um, yeah, we nearly had half the amount of turnovers our opposition did, so we played really solid there. I would have liked to see more steals, which we got in that game, 16 steals this time around. Um, and even in the Kennesaw State game, I believe, um, you know, still a bit of a turnover issue, but we still won that battle in that regard. One of the consistent things I'm seeing is our free throw percentage has gone up pretty well. I think we shot like 80% this last game and 76 the game before. So if you're consistently getting to the line and making those, those are just give me points. And if you can consistently put points on the board every quarter, you're probably going to see a uh, high value at the end of the game. And that's kind of what led to that huge blowout of a Florida national, um, you know, just getting to the line early and often um, building that lead early. I believe the score was like 34 to five after the first. So we kind of like put the game away uh, right out of the gate, which is exactly what you want to see. You know, slow starts usually end up hurting you later in the games, but if you can come out of the gates hot and then make your halftime adjustments, come out even stronger, that's exactly what you're looking for. Um, you know, as we start to move forward, we're going to see the more tougher, switch up in the schedule. I think we have FIU coming up after that. So we're going to see some conference play and hopefully we can improve um, on what we've kind of been lacking on and kind of keep the strengths that we already have. Yeah, they look great to start the season. Um, and like Rich said, it's Florida Nationals almost kind of a little freebie when you look at that game. But taking a look at the entire season, they're shooting better than their opponents by decent margin from the field and from the three-point three range. They're shooting better than from the free-throw line than their opponents. They're out-rebounding out opponents by a wide margin. So they're playing great basketball. Um, that's And credit back to Jennifer Sullivan. Um, but let's just, I think they'll be able to keep 
riding this kind of streak, but it's not going to get any easier as we kind of start conference play. Um, CUSA is a great, a good conference. There's a lot of solid basketball teams in there. So um, we'll see. They should, but let's just hope they can able to keep this kind of streak of solid basketball that they're playing because they're not relying too heavily on, you know, sim in similar vein to the men's team. They're not relying on one score too heavily every night. They're playing just kind of well-rounded basketball. So just hope they can keep it uh, moving. Yeah, and I definitely – hopefully they can keep up that balanced offense and hopefully they can maintain that defense heading into conference play, which they will play their first match of conference play against FIU on Tuesday, December 13th at home. And then after that, they head out for two non-conference games, of which will actually be their last games in non-conference play against Chicago State and the University of Illinois on December 19th on a Monday and Wednesday, December 21st. So, and, and of course, their last game of the year will be against North Texas on, this, on Thursday, December 29th, and which will be a home game. So best of luck to the Lady Owls, and hopefully they can maintain their winning streak. And with that, that will conclude our section with FU Sports. Now we head on to national sports, starting off with the NFL. Um, so... Week 13 has passed, and we're just a few weeks away from the season coming to a close. And definitely some interesting matches happened. Uh, the Giants somehow uh, drew with the Washington Commanders 20-20 to in overtime. Um, Deshaun Watson finally made his debut as a Cleveland Brown in a 27-14 victory over the Houston Texans. And then... The Dolphins uh, had a uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically struggled against the 49ers and a 33-17 defeat. So beside, uh, with those games and other games that you have in mind, what are your thoughts on what happened throughout the past week of NFL football? Um, I'll start off with um, the Miami game, and I think it's a real testament to how good Kyle Shanahan is of a coach. I mean, the quarterback over the past decade or so has been the most important position in football and Kyle winning football games with Mr. Irrelevant. Um, and it's kind of a shock to see because it really doesn't matter who you put in at that point. Um, you're going to consistently win games. Apparently what I am scared to see is if they do um, pick up a solid QB, whether it be in the off season through free agency, you know, I don't know if they're going to restructure their contract contract with Jimmy G. I don't know what the uh, goal is for the Niners, but if they get a solid quarterback, they can completely open up what they're doing with their offense. And I think that makes them an incredible threat. Um, as for other games across the league, you know, Deshaun got a start, but really didn't prove anything because their defense put up, what, three touchdowns in a 30-point fantasy performance. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, and, I mean, elsewhere, I think we have two teams officially eliminated from playoff contention, uh, the Houston Texans, and then I'm not going to say the other ones. Um, the other one out of protection for our friend here, but um, yeah, just these kind of sort of I'll let you lead into that, uh, Cameron, because I think that wraps up my thoughts. Yeah, that uh, as far as the that sorry team from Chicago, um, that was that was kind of tough because you know I'll be the first to say that the Packers have owned the Bears. I. It's probably like I can count on one hand how many times the Packers have beat the or the Bears have beat the Packers in my lifetime. So, but it really felt like this maybe the game that 
they got him. And for a while in the beginning, it looked like it. But um, Justin looks just a little bit slowed down by that shoulder. So I don't, I don't know how great of a decision going with him was. But, but I understand it. You know, you want to beat the Packers. Um, but like I said, number two pick. That's all I got to say about that, that matter. Um, as far as uh, Cleveland and uh, Houston, it was a little fun to watch uh, Watson not have the greatest return, but um, it's the Texans, so they were able to pull it out. Um, I wanted to ask, Zach, you said something about the quarterback situation. Do you think they should just abandon? Like, what do they do with Trey Lance in that situation? Do they just, like, abandon all that draft capital you sunk into him? Or they have so many – they have too many QBs on hand already, so bring another one into that. Um, see, that's where I'm kind of like stuck because you know I don't know how sold you are on Lance. You know, with his short time, yeah, he, yeah, he didn't do anything, and then his injury didn't help his case at all. But it kind of just leaves that bit of animosity in the air of where like, oh well, you know, maybe he wasn't given enough time to fully learn everything. And you know, on the other end, you're looking at a quarterback like Jimmy G, who knows the system well enough who can get you to the Super Bowl because we've seen it before, but is he going to win you that game against the top caliber, top caliber teams in the AFC? I don't know. Personally, I don't think so. You know, he got matched up with the Chiefs, the Bills, anyone over there. I just think the offense is too much to really go into a shootout kind of contest. Um, but, I mean, who knows? If Purdy ends up taking over that team because he just plays exceptionally well, keeps doing what he has to do, um, I think he can keep his job. Really, the only way I can see you losing the starting job for the 49ers is if you just don't win playoff games. Because it appears you're going to get to the playoff game with your punter at QB. And on all the other side of things, you just have to keep winning games. So, you know, don't screw it up. I'd say to Mr. Irrelevant, um, Birdie, don't screw it up at all. Just keep doing what you're doing. Shanahan will not put you in a position where you're going to fail. He's a great coach. Ride what you've got. Gain your notoriety. Get your jersey sales. Do whatever you can. Sign as a back quarterback. Be the next Chase Daniels. Who cares? And uh, with Monday Night Football happening, um, Tampa Bay survived against the New Orleans Saints, seventeen to sixteen. Um, is Tom Brady just really dragging the buc- dragging the Buccaneers to the playoffs, even though they're pretty much comfortable at that fourth spot because they have division rules in their favor? Let me say this: if Tom Brady does get them to the playoffs and they beat the Cowboys in the first round. I don't know if they're scheduled to play the Cowboys or not. If they beat the Cowboys in the first round, the Cowboys are officially done. They they will never come back from that ever. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone in the AF or the NFC South has a negative point differential. It's a joke. It well, everyone in the AFC South too. There are some bad divisions in football this year. It's it's a sad sight to see, but um, I can't believe Todd Bowles or Brian Leftwich still have their job uh, right now. They just, like, it, it's so night and day, too, because, like, for the first 55 minutes of that game, it's the worst football you've ever seen. But then suddenly when it goes into two-minute offense and you're not allowed to run the ball on first down anymore, suddenly the offense comes to life for the last four minutes of the game. Like, I, I don't understand how you can't visually see that, not only as a fan, but as a coach, and then realize you need to make a change. It's kind of the same position I'm in with the Patriots. You know, you have Mac Jones in his second year, but let's only throw screen passes and check downs for the entire game against the Bills. I'm sure that'll get you a win sooner or later. Um, and if you couldn't tell, I'm being overly sarcastic because I, it just enrages me. Um, but yeah, it, it's a joke at this point. Changes need to be made, but it might be too late in the season to try to change. So I digress. 
Yeah, and you're saying, like, talking about, like, their jobs, and those two were some of, like, the most talked about, like, coaching candidates in, like, the last cycle. So it's, like, insane, like, seeing their product. But, no, I agree. Tom Brady is, like, dragging them along. And it's insane to see this man, like, still have the league, like, in such a grasp as, like, an old man like this. And it just feels like we're never going to, like, see the end of this. Um, but, yeah, no, he I he's definitely dragging them along. You can't ever, like, really count them out whenever you got Brady on their roster. So even if they – when they even they do make the playoffs, if they make some late push, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, "Oh, I'm surprised." Like, no, at this point, I'm not because I, I didn't have them making it to, the even probably like the conference round whenever they went all the way. So I'm not gonna count them out yet. Yeah, and we'll see how the rest of the NFL goes for throughout the next couple of weeks. Uh, moving on from the NFL, we head on to the NBA. Um, the Boston Celtics continue to dominate the league with their firepower offense and steadily increase, steadily improving defense, especially as Robert Williams makes his return in the next couple of weeks, uh, which will definitely improve their front court depth and give a little more rest to Al Horford, who has been sitting out a few games and recently sat out uh, the last game against Phoenix due to COVID protocol. So we'll see how that goes for the for the Celtics. And most recently, the, the Lakers, they've been on a surge with especially Anthony Davis, who has helped them win six of their last 10 games as they're steadily improving their record. They are currently 10 and 14 at the moment. And Anthony Davis, he who recently had a 50-point performance against uh, Washington, uh, against the Washington Wizards, yes, yeah, it's the Wizards. And LeBron James is continuing to put up pretty good stats night after night. And even though he didn't play in the last game against, even though he and Davis did not play in the last game against Toronto, it's pretty clear that the Lakers are starting to improve little by little. So I want to know your guys' thoughts about the Lakers and what else have you seen from other teams across the league? Um, I mean, for the Lakers side of things, I think a huge point of emphasis for them was to kind of get Anthony Davis back on track. You know, he's kind of had issues with his injuries. Um, but, you know, to see him resemble uh, his former prime self, um, that's what the Lakers need to see. Um, you know, LeBron is LeBron. You're not really worried in that regard. But it's kind of just making sure your role players are involved if you want to win games uh, down the stretch. Uh, one team I particularly want to talk about is the Pelicans, which just took over the first seed. Uh, in the West, you know, Zion's been a huge proponent for that. And I think they're one of the few teams in the NBA that just are playing amazing defense. And it's kind of surprising to see, because I know I said earlier that like defense has kind of become a lost art, um, especially this day and age with them averaging literally, I think every team is averaging over a hundred points per game, which is a joke. Um, but I don't know. I, I just feel like we're still in that early point of the season where teams are going to kind of find their way into their appropriate mix. I mean, you see Golden State barely on the fringe of making the playoffs or the 10 seed. Um, and then in the East, you know, the Heat are right there at the 10 seed where they were expected to be higher. You know, the Cavs are still playing exceptionally well. But, you know, I think we all thought their team was going to make some huge stride this season, especially with their acquisitions. Um, but, you know, we're, we're seeing quality basketball in some ends. And then on the other side of things, we're seeing some teams that need to step it up if they want to make a push um, sooner rather than later. As far as the Lakers, the kind of little surge they've made makes me 
wonder how long it is till they make a move with like try to move that roster around somebody like thinking kind of like a almost win now move while they still got LeBron. But um, as far as the Celtics, they looked spectacular last night. Jason Brown, um, Jalen <laughs> Brown and Jason Tatum, both of them, I think th- then they both have 25, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they both it, spectacular. I just want to know like what it is about the Celtics or not the Celtics, the Suns. They're like the most unclutch team in basketball. They're like bold whenever any type of game has any like hype around it at all. Um, but yeah, it's like Zach said, it's a little too early in the season. We see teams, we keep seeing teams like make a little surge and then they'll fall back a little bit. Um, we have like the contenders, Boston, Milwaukee. Um, they're setting that they're setting themselves there, but um, as far as like something like the six sevens, it's a little too early to call, but um, we'll see, you know, as the season keeps going on. Yeah, definitely. And and as we look at the West, the Suns, who have been at the first spot for quite a while, did drop us, did drop by one spot because of the blowout defeat to the Celtics, and replacing them is New Orleans Pelicans. So Zion Williamson has definitely been making strides, especially as Brandon Ingram has been out for the past couple of games. He Zion has been leading the way alongside CJ McCollum, uh, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Valentunas, and off the bench you had Jose Alvarado and Larry Nance Jr. They definitely got a ragtag team of guys on that squad that have been making some pretty good moves and getting some some very solid victories as they currently have the number one spot in the West at the moment. So it's definitely a very good sign from them. And what do you guys think for brief thoughts? Uh, Not too much. I mean, I just want to see how it plays out. I don't know. I, I'm huge on Zion in particular. Um, I think he's got great things in his future. Um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because I saw a post recently, which was like, who would you rather have? And it was a bunch of like second, like the second stars on each team. You have your Brandon Ingrams, um, you have your Jalen Browns, um, kind of who you want in that perspective. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how much the Pelicans improve when they get um, Ingram back. And on the counter action, bringing up Jalen Brown. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with the Celtics because let's say Al Horford and Robin Williams come back and they start playing worse with their big men back. Do you go more towards the – you go back to Blake Griffin, do you go back to Cornette and kind of let them sort things out? I don't think that's going to be the case, but it, it'll bring up some interesting um, dialogue if that were the case. Um, you know, injury bug affects everyone, but each team kind of takes it in stride. Also, shout out to the Celtics coach. They kept bringing up that stat last night of how young he was. I'm pretty sure Al Horford was like in third grade by the time he was born or something like that. Who knows? Um, but he's he's young. He's got those guys uh, rolling, and I hope to see more of it. Yeah, and I see Cameron said his computer died, so we, we can carry on without him until he returns. And we'll head on to our last topic of the day, which is the World Cup. Um, so uh, as of this recording, tomorrow on Friday will be the beginning of the quarterfinals, which will be a Brazil against Croatia and Netherlands against Argentina. And before we go on them for potential World Cup winners, um, we'll have to take a look at the ending of the United States men's national team, who who made it to the round of 16 after beating Iran 1-0 and took on also the Netherlands on this past weekend. And while they did put up a good fight, they ended up going out 
in a 3-1 defeat. So I would like to know your general thoughts on how the United States played throughout the World Cup, Zach, because I think there's a lot of good to be seen from the overall squad, and then there's a lot of negatives, mainly on the coaching end of things. But overall, a very promising sign, showed very promising signs from the team as they head on to 2026. So I want to know your general thoughts on how the United States played in this World Cup and see what else they can do moving forward. Yeah, um, I think overall, um, you know, it's kind of hard. We don't really ever have expectations for our team. So I feel like this is the first World Cup where we accept where we kind of had um, the vision of moving past the group stage and then seeing where we went from there. I don't think anyone was too um, nailed in in the fact that we'd probably move on from the round of 16. It was just kind of like, see where we go from there. Um, you know, the Netherlands were a tough draw. Um, it's not a team you necessarily want to face off with, but, you know, we showed promise, like you said. Um, we were able to score a goal. I thought one of our biggest issues would be our offensive uh, capabilities opening up the match, but I thought we were very strong in the beginning. You know, I you would have hoped if Pulisic converts that early opportunity, that kind of changes the uh, outcome of the game, especially early on. It kind of dictates how we move forward. Um, but I thought one of the main things that stood out to me was our defensive marking. Um, against the Netherlands it just seemed like every time they went to go um, build up every time their offense was building up they had a guy wide open and it was because the way they the way their formations kind of set up their wing backs which usually start off um, in their defense when they go on the attack they move all the way up so what the problem is is we, we were fine marking their midfielders marking their strikers but when those wing backs finally came up from all, from all the way from their defensive positioning no one had picked them up sets up for wide open shots in the middle of the box um, even in the penalty area and that's just extremely hard to stop um especially for matt turner who played phenomenally uh this entire world cup you know very few mistakes i think that first goal he gave up i think his positioning could have been a little better but you kind of learn from those mistakes um i definitely think in 2026 will improve as well i do hope we get a different manager next time around um it it, it definitely seemed like we had an mls quota to push um, and I wasn't in favor of it. And you kind of saw that because when we opened up the second half by bringing on Aronson and bringing up Reyna, you saw their one-two capabilities um, feeding off one another. You see that Premier League style of play or Bundesliga or like, especially Reyna from Dortmund, like however you want to say it, that is the upper echelon of soccer. And that is what you want to see, especially from the American side. It'll show the younger generations that this is what we're capable of. This is the type of product we want to be pushing out on a more national level. And I think that's the end goal. Um, now, it's easy to nitpick and look at all the bad things, but I think overall this was a very solid outing for the United States, and we should be very optimistic heading into the 2026 World Cup. Yeah, and I definitely agree. Like They have a lot of potential. Way Christian Pulisic, Giovanni Rena, Timothy Weah, uh, Josh Sargent, uh, Yunus Musa, Weston McKinney, like a lot of players, and especially uh, Matt Turner, who was very good at at the, as the number one goalkeeper for the U.S., like, and it's very inspiring because he was like out of the rotation originally. Like he, it was usually Zach Steffen or Ethan Horvath, but Matt Turner just came into the equation, and man, he really shined in the moment. And hopefully, he can maintain his spot as the number one goalkeeper for the U.S. moving forward, especially as they head on to host the 2026 World Cup uh, alongside Canada and Mexico, of course, and. From what I hear from most report, recent reports, they will also be hosting the 2024 Copa America. So these tournaments, especially the Copa America, and not to mention, also not to mention the, the, the Olympics, which the U.S. is also qualified for. 
the U.S. should really maximize their young talent, their potential as a team, and maximize the the firepower, like the power and strength that their their best star players really hold. And we'll definitely have to wish them the best of luck because while this 2022 World Cup, while it is disappointing to see them go out to the Netherlands in the round of 16, is definitely very encouraging that they were able to hold their ground against very good competition against the, especially against England in, in the group during the group stage. So uh, once again, hopefully they keep improving on what they have and just move, move on from the 2022 world cup and just progress from, from here on out. With that, that'll be it for this episode of you press play sports. Make sure to hit like, and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.